0: Welcome to the Climate Report. This is Hart Hagen, your host, and we are on episode number 265. Today's topic is technology. Technology is one of my favorite topics because it is so misunderstood. What we misunderstand about technology is where it comes from, what it is, how we should feel about it, how we should control it. Who should control it? So let's get into this. We will talk about technology, but let's first read a couple of paragraphs from Joe Biden's climate plan. If you want to find a copy of Joe Biden's climate plan, it's pretty easy to do. Just Google Biden's climate plan on Google. Reading from Biden's climate plan, Biden believes the Green New Deal is a crucial framework for meeting the climate challenges we face. It powerfully captures two basic truths which are at the core of this plan. The United States urgently needs, number one, the United States urgently needs to embrace greater ambition on an epic scale to meet the scope of this challenge. and. Two, our environment and our economy are completely and totally connected. Continuing to read, If we can harness all of our energy and talents and unmatchable American innovation, we can turn this threat into an opportunity to revitalize the U.S. energy sector and boost growth economy-wide. We can create new industries that reinvigorate our manufacturing and create high quality middle class jobs in cities and towns across the United States. We can lead America to become the world's clean energy superpower. We can export our clean energy technology across the globe and create high quality middle class jobs here at home. Getting to a 100% clean energy economy is not only an obligation, it's an opportunity. We should fully adopt a clean energy future, not just for all of us today, but for our children and grandchildren so their tomorrow is healthier, safer, and more just. As president, Biden will lead the world to address the climate emergency, and lead through the power of example by ensuring the US achieves a 100% clean energy economy and net zero emissions no later than 2050. The Biden plan will ensure that US achieves a 100% clean energy economy and reaches a net zero emissions no later than 2050. On day one, Biden will sign a series of new executive orders with unprecedented reach that go well beyond the Obama-Biden administration platform and put us on the right track, and he will demand that Congress enact legislation in the first year of his presidency that Number one, establishes an enforcement mechanism that includes milestone targets no later than the end of his first term in 2025. Number two, makes a historic investment in clean energy and climate research and innovation. And number three, incentivizes the rapid deployment of clean energy innovations across the economy especially in communities most impacted by climate change. So in the language of this, Obama's, I mean Biden's climate plan, in the language he hints at innovation at several different points. For one thing, he, he hints at innovation and technology at several different points, so he says, uh, the phrase unmatchable American innovation so you know they're telling a story here this plan was written by PR professionals for one thing so they're telling a story they're wanting us to buy into a story and you know as part of this story of course Biden is the hero of the pot but he wants to you know incorporate uh, Americans and the American economy as part of the, you know, as part of the pot of this story that he's trying to tell. So he refers to unmatchable American innovation and he says, we can create new industries. I like saying, we, he, he can create, we can create whole new industries that reinvigorate our manufacturing and create high quality middle class jobs, etc. cetera. He also says we can uh, become the world's clean energy superpower and then we can export our clean energy technology across the globe and create high quality middle class jobs here at home. So, you know, one thing that you always see, one thing that pervades Biden's climate plan is trickle down. I mean, if he doesn't say any different at the first uh At the very first sentence of the plan, he talks about creating, you know, strong union jobs. But other than that, it's all trickle down. In other words, we're going to create strong industries and you, the worker, should hope that the prosperity of those industries trickles down to you. And we're going to create whole new industries we're going to create strong industries and the communities of america can only hope that the benefits and the prosperity coming from those uh, companies and industries is going to trickle down to you but you have to get in there and you have to mix it up and you have to bring your best to this whole process that's trickle down So when he talks about being a clean energy superpower, and when he talks about exporting clean energy technology across the globe, I'm wondering, you know, who's gonna own the patents? Is this technology going to be something that is free and open source? Is it free to anybody? Or is it going to be, uh, you know, patents? Are we going to have the government subsidize technologies and then, you know, private owners own the patents. So in Hart Hagen's perfect world, we don't have very many patents, if any. Especially in, you know, not just Hart Hagen's perfect world, but a lot of people are thinking, hey, maybe when the government develops technology at taxpayer expense, private companies should not own an exclusive patent on those Technologies, Because a patent is just a monopoly. So I've been talking about patents and how patents are bad, but let me give you an alternative scenario. Let me give you a scenario that could be and should be, but rarely is. So I'm thinking of three examples in history that show that collaboration can really, really, really work well. Uh, with collaboration being the opposite of competition. So we can have competition or we can have collaboration. We can't have both. So here are three examples uh, that um, uh, of where collaboration worked really, really well. So the first example is Wikipedia. And yeah, Wikipedia has some problems, but it basically, you know is a good example. Of how collaboration can work. So, you know, w- with, with Wikipedia, you, the, the, the quality of the product is comparable to, say, the Encyclopedia Britannica, where, you know, the Encyclopedia Britannica is uh, proprietary. Uh, Wikipedia is not, it, it, Wiki, Wikipedia is collaborative so you know it results in a collaborative process people are basically contributing their time another example of a collaborative process where people contribute their time and it ended up with a good result is the uh, is the human genome project so you know across the the globe people started to collaborate on hey what is the human genome made of in other words all the genes within the human body all the genes within each cell of our DNA—what's really there? We know that there's this sequence, uh, this four-letter alphabet of DNA, but how does it how is it spelled out? What is really there? So, the Human Genome product, uh, Project is something that it was a collaborative project. It took place. You know, it, it ended up with good results. They ended up with a complete sequencing of the human genome in a time frame that was much quicker than anyone expected. And it's because people were contributing their time and collaborating, and it, you know, so it was like a free and open source system. The third example of collaboration in a free and open source environment uh, where something worked out really well and turned out really well is the Linux operating system. So an operating system is the underlying software of a computer. So you know, if you have your iPhone, the iOS is the operating system for your iPhone. And if you have a, a PC, then Windows is the operating system of your iPhone. Another example of an operating system is Linux, and there are a number of computers in the world that run on the Linux, and Linux is an operating system that was developed in a collaborative process, and, it, and the results were good, and so what we're saying is that not everything has to be done by way of a competitive process. It's a huge, large, gigantic myth today that competition somehow you know produces the best results. So we have a you know we have a competitive society, we have a competitive economic system and the myth is that competition produces the best results. But we know that sometimes competition produces good results and sometimes, collaboration produces good results. So how is this relevant to our discussion? It's relevant to our discussion because we have lots and lots and lots and lots of patents today. And the people who own the patents, or should I say the class of people who own the patents, want us to think that Patents are always good. They want us to think that competition is always good. They want us to think that when a company owns the exclusive rights to produce and sell a product, then that is good. That's good for everybody. They want us to think that the patent is good for everybody. They want us to think that the competitive process is good for everybody. And that's where much of our technology comes from, or rather, you know, much of our technology operates within the environment of this myth of the uh, this myth that says competition is great, and uh, the you know the idea that competition is great and that monopolies are great, it ha- it helps to serve the people that own the patents. So, this episode is about technology so what does any of this have to do with technology the what this has to do with technology is that we have some huge large gigantic choices to make and the huge large gigantic choices we have to make relate to the idea of should technology be patented or should technology not be patented in other words Should Apple have the right to exclusively use uh, Apple's technology? And should Google have the right to exclusively use Google's technology? And Hart Hagen's answer to that question is, in most cases, no, for two reasons. For one thing, you know, Apple did not invent the computer. They only profit from the computer. And Apple did not invent the operating, you know, to some extent, private enterprise, you know, tweaks these things. But it is government that does the basic science, it is government that, that does the basic research. So, government, i.e., the taxpayer, does research for decades upon decades, and then we have something called the microchip, we have something called electronics technology. Every component of your iPhone was developed at taxpayer expense, and then these private companies then get the right to sell it and profit from it. It's not fair to the taxpayer, for one thing. So we really need to look at whether companies should have the right to patent, you know, technology. And we should look at whether companies should have the right to patent not only electronics technology, but also medical technology. Your pharmaceutical companies are profiting from their patents of you know, medical technologies that have been developed at taxpayer expense. Why should the taxpayers spend all this money for, you know, why should taxpayers spend money to develop drugs at taxpayer expense and then have a company uh, profit from it privately and then sell it to the consumer at exorbitant prices? There are heartbreaking stories of families that have to bankrupt themselves because they have to buy medicines and procedures from companies that have patented these medicines and procedures and devices, even though the medicines and the procedures and the devices were basically developed at taxpayer expense. Why should taxpayers invest in something and then be gouged by private companies just because a private company was there to buy up the patent that was developed at public expense. I think you know how I feel about it. Private companies should not have the right to gouge people for products and services and technologies that were developed at taxpayer expense. So the reason I've been going into this is that Biden's climate plan, you know, it has all of these embedded assumptions that technology should be patented by private companies and private individuals. In fact, there was this guy named Josh Fox who was extremely critical of Planet of the Humans because it cast doubt on the efficacy of solar power and wind power Etc., And Josh Fox s- happens to own like 30 patents in, uh, technolo- in, in, in solar technologies and things like that. So here's somebody who has a vested interest in profiting from uh, solar technologies. I would argue that those private patents should not exist. Why do we want to give one person the monopoly rights to, 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 to anything. Why should, you know, the idea is that monopolies help innovation, et cetera, et cetera, yada, 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 make me puke. This is the story we've been told since we were knee high to a grasshopper, that you know patents are good for innovation because it encourages the individual to invest in innovation, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know, there may have been a time when that was true, but we live in different times now. And I question whether it was ever true that you should have a patent in, you know, that, that having an exclusive patent, i.e. monopoly power, monopoly control, exclusivity in a certain technology, I question whether that was ever good for innovation, and yet, That's all we've ever heard. So that type of ethic, that type of philosophy just pervades the Biden climate plan. You know, trickle down and the desirability of patents and the need for the government to incentivize certain industries and hopefully that will trickle down to individuals and families and communities. And all the while we're supposed to worship at the altar of technology. So this episode is supposed to be about technology. Let's get into technology and and make a few comments about it. So Biden's climate plan says we should incentivize the rapid deployment of clean energy innovations across the economy, especially in communities most impacted by climate change. So my question is, What are these clean energy innovations? So, they're trying to talk about new technologies such as solar, wind, electric grid, electric vehicles. You know, all of these things, you know, solar power, photovoltaic power, generally speaking, is not a new thing, but it's possible to patent certain variations on the theme of solar. Power, But what's the problem with certain people patenting solar power? Well, for one thing, it's capitalism, which, you know, all capitalism is not bad. Small-scale capitalism, to me, is not bad. Small farms, small businesses, small restaurants, nothing wrong with that. But it's the large-scale capitalism which gets us in trouble, because for one thing, it's not even capitalism, you know. The more money you have, the less you're at risk. The more money you have, the more you're feeding at the government trough. The more money you have, the more you can bend the power of the state to your will so that it's not even capitalism, because capitalism is supposed to be where you put your capital at risk. But that doesn't happen when you have a whole lot of capital and you're basically feeding at the government trough and bending the power of the state to serve your needs and interests. But when we talk about technology, you know, often we're talking about electronics technologies and, oh gosh, it makes me sick. Don't get me started on how electronics technologies are not always good all the time. Electronics technologies the problem with electronics technologies is that there's lots of mining involved. You know, electronics involves metals uh, and and you know, metals include cobalt and coltan and sometimes lithium and sometimes copper and sometimes uh, you know, silicon and these these are things that you know, some of the things I've named are rare earth metals, so they some of them involve slave labor. Most of them involve some type of water pollution and air pollution. And they can be, the mining and the the processing of these minerals can take place in the most exploitative conditions. And uh, you know, I I, I was saying a while ago that capitalism per se is not a problem. And that's true, you know, small-scale capitalism is not a problem like big-scale capitalism. And but but capitalism always involves exploitation. It always involves extracting as much as you can from labor and the environment, not to mention democratic institutions. So wherever you have, uh, and one of the, so among the worst examples of this includes mining. When you're mining for metals, oh my gosh when you're mining for metals you're extracting from labor for for one thing a lot of places in the world have slave labor and if it's not slave labor it's low wage and it's disgusting and you know environmentalists should hang their heads in shame that they allow so much slave labor to go on, environmentalists should hang their heads in shame that they're promoting solar power and wind power and electric vehicles, and these things involve slave labor straight up. For example, you know, you had uh, Elon Musk, and you have, Elon Musk is the owner of Tesla, and Tesla is uh, you know the Tesla is the brand of is the premier brand of luxury electric vehicles and uh, electric vehicles require lithium-ion batteries. Lithium-ion batteries are made from lithium. Lithium is a metal that comes from different places in the world, but not least of all, Bolivia. So Bolivia in South America contains possibly the better part of the world's lithium. 50% or more of the world's lithium is in Bolivia. So the question is, are the people of Bolivia going to be the primary beneficiaries of the lithium? Of Bolivia and American capitalists have always said heck no that's our lithium the Bolivian people just happened to be sitting on it it's our those are our natural resources the people of Bolivia are irrelevant so Elon Musk so in Bolivia there was this coup about a year ago classic CIA supported coup And it's like, okay, people of Bolivia, you've had Evo Morales for your president for a very long time, and you have elected Evo Morales president in elections, fair and square, for a very long time. But sorry, we're going to take away your democracy, and we're going to replace it with a fascist dictatorship. So, all of a sudden, in late 2019, Bolivia has a fascist dictatorship. What's up with that? And, they, like, there were Christian fascists who believed that the, um, the people, the indigenous people of Bolivia, were they, they, they believed that they were devil worshippers. Um, but the main point is that American corporations, such as Tesla, Uh, with Elon Musk. They don't want democracy and uh, You know if you have a democracy and and you have lithium then we're gonna We're gonna decimate your democracy and we're gonna take your lithium if you have a democracy like Iran in the early 50s We're gonna decimate your democracy and we're gonna take your oil if you have lots and lots of agriculture, such as um, Guatemala in the 1950s, then we're, and you have a democracy, then we're going to decimate your democracy and we're going to take your natural resources at the behest of a company like United Fruit Company that now does business as Chiquita, as in bananas. And, and so the common theme here is who owns resources? This you know, episode has been about technology. Who owns the resources associated with technology? Who owns, who should own the patents associated with technology? Who, own, who should own the metals associated with technology? Is it, you know, is it the people who paid for the technology to be developed? is that the people who should be a democratic majority in Bolivia or wherever you know this wherever the natural resources happen to be and American corporations say no and the American government says no and all of that ethic is pervading it pervades Biden's climate plan that's all the time we have thank you for joining me hope you come back soon Welcome to the Climate Report. This is Hart Hagen, your host, and we are on episode 266. Today's topic is innovation. So innovation sounds like the word technology. We talked about technology in the last episode, but technology is a little different. Technology suggests to me anyway that we're going to have new gadgets. Whereas innovation suggests that we're just doing something different, maybe a little bit new, but innovation need not necessarily involve uh, new gadgets. I, I wish the word technology were defined more broadly in our culture. We think of technology as electronics technology or even medical technology. I wish technology were simply defined as Here's how we solve problems or a solution to a problem. But unfortunately, we have defined a technology to mean electronics technology or something that was developed by big industry and something that we are supposed to worship because it's handed down to us from on high and it has revolutionized our lives. And you know, I enjoy technology as much as the next person, but you know, it has its costs and we need to look at the costs as well as the benefits of technology. So we'll talk about innovation in a minute, but first let's read a little bit from Biden's climate plan. So, it says, Biden believes that the Green New Deal is a crucial framework for meeting the climate challenges we face. It powerfully captures two basic truths which are at the core of this plan. Number one, the United States urgently needs to embrace greater ambition on an epic scale to meet the scope of this challenge. And two, our environment and our economy are completely and totally connected. If we can harness all of our energy and talents and unmatchable American innovation, we can turn this threat into an opportunity to revitalize the U.S. energy sector and boost growth economy-wide. We can create whole new industries that reinvigorate our manufacturing and create high-quality, middle-class jobs in cities and towns across the United States. We can lead America to become the world's clean energy superpower. We can export our clean energy technology across the globe and create high-quality, middle-class jobs here at home. Getting to a 100% clean energy economy is not only an obligation, it's an opportunity. We should fully adopt a clean energy future, not for not just for all of us today, but for our children and grandchildren, so their tomorrow is healthier, safer, and more just. As president, Biden will lead the world to address the climate emergency and lead through the power of example by ensuring the U.S. achieves a 100% clean energy economy and net zero emissions no later than 2050. The Biden plan will ensure the U.S. achieves a 100% clean energy economy and reaches net zero emissions no later than 2050. On day one, Biden will sign a series of new executive orders with unprecedented reach that go well beyond the Obama-Biden administration platform and put us on the right track. And... He will demand that Congress enact legislation in the first year of his presidency that does these three things. Number one, establishes an enforcement mechanism that includes milestone targets no later than the end of his first term in 2025. Number two, makes a historic investment in clean energy and climate research and innovation. And number three, incentivizes the rapid deployment of clean energy innovations across the economy, especially in communities most impacted by climate change. So I want to take issue with a few phrases here. One of them says that the United States urgently needs to embrace greater ambition on an epic scale. It seems to suggest that we need to try harder. Well, the last I checked, Americans are trying pretty darn hard. We're working pretty hard. I'm not sure if, we, if it serves us well to play into this myth that says we're not trying hard enough and that the solution to our problems is to work even harder than we are now. If anything, what we need is an adjustment, a, a change of mindset, a willingness to sacrifice. But the willingness to sacrifice cannot be uh, shared unequally. The main people that need to sacrifice are the plutocrats. The main people that need to give up much of what they have are the people who have way too much money and way too much power. And I'm not talking about the 1% so much as I am the 0.1%, the fraction of a percent that really have most of the money and rule the world. So let's not talk like Americans aren't working hard enough. If anything, it's the plutocrats that need to go on a big, huge diet. Because too much money in too few hands is the power to do a lot of harm. Too much money in too few hands is the power to make war. Too much money in too few hands is the power to pollute our water. Too much money in too few hands is the power to have a monopoly without the government having the power or the will to break up the monopoly. Too much money in too few hands means You own the media. And when you own the media, you can indoctrinate people. And Americans are heavily indoctrinated. Another phrase I want to take issue with is the thing that says we can create new industries, or as I like to say, whole new industries. Well, Let's create new industries where we need to, but when we don't need to, let's not create whole new industries. Let's eliminate some industries. We have industries that should be, if not entirely eliminated, should be reduced by 90%. I'll talk in a few minutes about how defense needs to be reduced by 90%. The manufacture of new cars needs to be reduced by 90%. The manufacture of new airplanes needs to be reduced by 90% the airline industry you know air travel needs to be reduced by 90% these huge farming operations manufacturing operations that are too big to do anything in an environmentally sane way those need to be eliminated or need to be reduced by 90% cattle farming on public lands needs to be reduced by 90% or eliminated entirely. Logging on public lands needs to be reduced by 90% or eliminated entirely. Fracking needs to be entirely eliminated, or if we can't entirely eliminate it, we at least need to reduce it by 90%. So before we create whole new industries, and any industry you can think of is going to pollute, the solar panel industry is going to pollute it's just a question of how much and it's a question of where they pollute but you can't get around uh, you, you can't get around polluting you know, if you make solar panels you can't get around polluting if you make windmills you can't get around polluting if you make electric cars all of these industries pollute so before we create whole new industries let's eliminate the industries that we can and i just named a half a dozen industries that could be eliminated or reduced by 90%, and it would not make any difference at all in the life of the average person if we take care of people, if we take care of people through a universal basic income, if we take care of people through Medicare for All, if we let people take care of themselves and each other by having strong unions, if we take care of people through free preschool and free public college and adequately funded public schools. We can take care of people by putting them in low carbon jobs instead of making people work high carbon jobs just because we're allowing all of our jobs to be created by those who have all the capital. We need a different way of creating jobs. We need a great many jobs to be created by the, you know, in the public sector. So the Biden plan, it says here, we're going to incentivize the rapid deployment of clean energy innovations across the economy, especially in communities most impacted by climate change. I tell you, that looks like an invitation to pork barrel, especially if like, okay, so. When it says we're going to rapidly deploy clean energy innovations across the economy, especially in communities most impacted by climate change, it's like, okay, we're going to set up a solar panel factory in a neighborhood of Latino people or African American people or indigenous people, and we're going to set up the factory there because uh, these are people who have been historically the most impacted by climate change. And I'm thinking, if you're dealing with capitalist businesses, if you're dealing with businesses that are owned by capital, then what good is that doing anybody? And it's just an invitation for pork barrel. It's an invitation for influence peddling. It's like... Put your solar panel factory in my district, and I will and I will bribe you, or you know, put put your solar panel panel factory in Louisville, Mr. Yarmouth, and we will give money to your campaign if you promise to bring this solar panel factory to Louisville. And there's a lot to be said for uh, for so there's a concept here that is good and worthy, and the concept that is good and worthy is that. We're going to take people who have been the most impacted by climate change and we're going to allow them to construct solutions and then the government is going to pay for it. That would be a good idea, but you're allowing people to craft their own solutions instead of just imposing solutions on them and saying, you should be happy that we put this solar panel factory in your neighborhood. So in the remaining time, I've got three different sections. One of them is, what are clean energy innovations? We're gonna unpack that phrase. What are clean energy innovations? What is he referring to? The second part, instead, the second part is, here are some real innovations that we should be using. So the, and the third part is technology. You know, what does technology mean? We'll close out by saying, you know, what does technology really mean? What should we think when we hear the word technology? What would what should we feel when we hear the word technology? So first of all, what are clean energy innovations? And the idea is that you know they want us to think that clean energy innovations are all about solar power and wind power and the electric grid and electric vehicles and electric everything. Replace all of our internal combustion engines with electric uh, and. You know, the problem is that you you need a whole, the, the, the problem is you're selling a whole lot of stuff. You're dealing with a whole lot of consumer goods. And like Naomi Klein says, we're not going to shop our way out of this crisis. There's a place for solar power. There's a place for wind power, but these are medium priorities and not high priorities. The high priorities are the things that cost us nothing and just require some political will to change a situation, to reform a situation, so that a ju- an injustice stops now. So, when you stop churning out all new automobiles all the time, then you're stopping an injustice. When you reduce the defense industry by 90%, then you're stopping an injustice. Certainly, we want to stop the manufacture of brand new tanks, period. Cold, and if you don't stop it altogether, you need to reduce it by 90%. So, there are things that we can do right now that not only don't cost us anything, but it's going to save us money. It's going to free up money that we can spend on other things. So, another one of the clean energy innovations that people think of not just solar power, not just wind power, uh, not just electric vehicles, but also a smart grid. So a smart grid is something like it's like this. If you have a solar panel on your house, then you are an energy producer and not just an energy consumer. So since you're producing energy, it would be great if the solar if the energy from your solar panel on your house would then be channeled to other places when you don't need it. Like if you're gone during the day, businesses are open during the day and people are away from homes during the day. So it would be great if the solar energy that people are generating from their homes could then be channeled so that businesses could use that solar energy. And we can do some of that as it is, but the energy grid that we have is not designed, it's designed for coal-burning power plants and nuclear power plants and hydroelectric power plants. It's designed to channel energy from a few key points of production to the many, many points of consumption. It's a one-way, it's a a one-way flow of electricity. So what they're wanting to do is set up a smart grid that has a lot more computer technology. It has, you know, I'm sure, special advanced wiring that will accommodate the flow of electricity from your home to the business down the street that needs electricity when you're away from your home and don't need electricity. So it sounds like a great idea, but it has a problem. And I'll say the problem in one word, and that is surveillance so if we have a smart grid all of a sudden you know the the, all of a sudden who who has all of a sudden the powers that be i.e the government i.e the national security agency that they have a whole lot of information about what's going on in your home. If you think you have very little privacy now, it would be even less privacy if every time you change your heater, if every time you change your thermostat or turn on your toaster or open your refrigerator door, it's being monitored from a place that who knows where. And you know, some people may react to that and say, oh, Hart, you're being paranoid. And it's like, I'm thinking, have you heard of Edward Snowden? Do you know about Edward Snowden? Uh, Do you know that we know now, as of, you know, five or six years ago, that the NSA has all the information from our cell phone. Not all of the information, but they have the metadata. They have, like, who you contacted and when. They have your location data. They just have, you know... It's a complete violation of the Fourth Amendment that says our personal house and effects should be free from unwarranted search and seizure. So there's a reason we should be entitled to privacy. There's a reason why the Constitution guarantees our privacy. And there's a reason why we should be indignant that the privacy guaranteed by the Constitution is is null and void. Because... You know, not only, you know, do they gather our cell phone data, but also, you know, your Facebook information is, you you know, Facebook has a whole lot of information on you. Google has a whole lot of information on you. And whenever the government wants that information, they call up Facebook and they get that information. No questions asked, no holds barred. So I'm just saying that unauthorized, unwarranted surveillance by the government is already a big problem. And, you know, we we don't need to make it a bigger problem with this smart grid. So I don't pretend to have all the answers. I do pretend to have some valid and legitimate concerns. And the thing is that nobody is talking about this. You know, environmentalists are not talking about this. Environmentalists are not talking about the invasion of privacy privacy inherent in the smart grid. So if you want to have a smart grid, I'll make a deal with you. Let's say it's just you and me making policy for the United States, and you want a smart grid, and I have my concerns and reservations. I'm going to make a deal with you. If we deal with the privacy concerns inherent in Facebook and Google and our cell phone data, if we come up with a good way of dealing with that information, then then I'm open to a smart grid. But until we deal with the, the invasions of privacy and the unwarranted surveillance that's going on through Facebook and Google and Apple uh, and uh, you know through our cell phone data, through our location data, Until we deal with that, then I have a valid and legitimate concern. But the Biden climate plan just just wants to put all of that on steroids. So that's why I say the Biden climate plan is misguided in how much technology, you know, we're going to subsidize a lot of new technologies without bringing about uh, meaningful change, where change could be brought about if we had the will and if we had the consent, but you know who gets in the way? The plutocrats get in the way. The ruling elites get in the way. The owners of Facebook get in the way. The owners of Google get in the way. The owners of Apple get in the way. The elements of the CIA and the FBI and the NSA get in the way. So I've expressed concerns about the t- new technologies that they are you know wanting to subsidize through biden's climate plan now let's talk about low-tech innovations so okay here's another technology back up just a little bit another technology that i'm concerned about uh, so like the other day i I have this facebook group called the climate report and somebody posted this thing that's you know it, it falls under the heading of geoengineering it's when you put a giant shield in in space to block some of the sun to counteract some of global warming and this is you know there are lots of problems with this there are lots of technical problems with the shield and it's going to mess with the climate, it's going to mess with the weather and it's untested And do we want to be doing this with our earth? So what I say to anybody who believes in geoengineering, who thinks we ought to go full steam ahead on solar and wind and the electric grid, I say, you know, you're not serious about wanting to solve climate change unless you you say no to deforestation. You know, we're cutting down forests at breakneck pace. Forests are a way to curb climate change, because forests cool the air, because forests, you know, deforestation releases carbon, whereas if you leave a forest alone, it will absorb carbon out of the atmosphere. So we need more of that. So that's an example of a low-cost solution. And if you're not willing to go with the low-cost solutions, then I have to ask why are you wanting to spend a lot of money on things that, that might not work or might only work so well? So let's talk about the low-cost solutions. Let's talk about the low-hanging fruit. Let's talk about real innovations instead of just new gadgetry. So if anybody is really serious about wanting to solve the problem of climate change and not just make money selling gadgets that are supposed to address the problem, then let's have a moratorium on deforestation. Instead what we have are these uh, biomass projects where they're just chewing up forests and putting them in incinerators and that's supposed to be renewable. If anybody is serious about solving the problem of climate change and doesn't want to just sell us gadgets that are supposed to address the problem, then let's, instead, let's make a, a dramatic shift toward regenerative agriculture. A lot of agriculture is just, it's just terrible. It's, uh, you know, agriculture causes deforestation. Agriculture is where you take, you you you. you you just plow up the earth as far as the eye can see, and you plant corn, and then you spray pesticides to keep the bugs away from the corn, and you spray herbicides to keep the weeds from going growing around the corn. You use uh, fertilizers that are based on petrochemicals, and then when it rains, half of this stuff in, with the soil flows into our waterways. So there's no industry in the world, there's no sector of our economy that is at war with life on earth more than industrial agriculture. And they've got a lot of competition. You say, Hart, do you mean industrial agriculture is at war with life on earth more than the war machine? And it's, it's a tough competition, but I say regenerative ag- I would say industrial agriculture wins that competition. So let's stop industrial agriculture and convert it into regenerative agriculture. Here's another low-tech innovation. No new roads. Why are we building new roads? Why are we building new buildings? No new buildings. No new roads. Why are we building new buildings and new roads? Tell me why this is needed. Do we not have enough new buildings? If we need new buildings for people to uh, for people to live, then let's build sustainable, affordable housing instead of these monstrosities that we're building. No new buildings and no new roads. That's a low-cost solution to climate change. Especially, I'm talking about in American culture, European culture, Japanese, Japanese, German, South Africa, Australia. These places that are fairly industrialized. I'm not talking about don't build any new homes in India or, apart, or most of Africa. I'm just saying in the, in the industrialized countries, why are we building more stuff? The low-hanging fruit is to stop the extremely wasteful, resource-intensive stuff. So if somebody wants to solve the problem of climate change, instead of just selling us gadgets, they should talk about reducing defense by 90%. Defense is a terrible industry. We spend more than the rest of the world combined on weapons, and we export more weapons than anybody else, bar none. So instead of selling us lots of gadgets and gizmos uh, to try to solve climate cha- to pretend like we're solving climate change I say let's have a moratorium on reforestation let's have let's let's stop industrialized agriculture and convert to regenerative agriculture no new roads no new buildings reduce defense by 90 percent reduce new cars by 90 percent why are we churning out all these new cars when? We're going to have to, you know, phase out cars anyway if we're going to be not, we don't have to phase out cars entirely. There will always be some cars, but we need to stop building new cars all the time. We need to reduce new cars by 90%, reduce new cars by 90%, reduce new cars by 90%, reduce defense by 90%, reduce defense by 90%, reduce air travel by 90%. Yes, reduce air travel by 90%. Why are we flying here and there and here and there? We certainly need to reduce the manufacture of new planes by 90%. Why are we manufacturing all these new planes? Why are we flying from New York to Washington D.C.? We, if we took the uh, the highway funds that we're spending widening our interstate highways, we could have money for a train from New York to D.C. in no time. Why are people flying from San Francisco to L.A. or from? Uh, Northern California to LA. Why are people doing that? Why do we not have trains going from, you know, along the West Coast and along the East Coast? Why are people flying from Louisville to Chicago? Why are we not, why do we not have a train going from Louisville to Chicago? We're always widening these highways if we would just take a lane and put a train then we wouldn't have to always be widening the highway. So what we're talking about here in a word is sanity. Sanity. Let's not confuse sanity with conformity. Conformity is not sanity if conformity means we're doing things that are insane. That's all the time we have. Thanks for joining me. Have a great day.